together like a bad car wreck it just it just rolls off his back he sees him he pays the rent unbelievable i was the one who wanted to get married he didn't he didn't really want it but uh he did it i don't know why well, why did you want to get married yeah i th i thought it would help me but uh but it didn't I, uh, I was so confused. Hey, everybody. I'm so excited for today. I have two very special guests. I have the Tony Award winner, Joanna Gleason, who won for The Baker's Wife in Into the Woods. And I have the fantastic um, Academy Award nominee for Dog Day Afternoon, Chris Sarandon. I'm so excited to talk to them. I get to talk to them from their home on Tiny Farm. Somewhere in this world, because you don't need to know where they live. But... I'm so excited for you to hear what they have to say. So hi, everybody. I am sitting here in the office of Joanna Gleason and Chris Sarandon. How are you guys? Great. We're great. How Thank are you? I'm great. Thanks for joining us. And I'm Lucy so excited. Lucy the dog is here, too. Lucy the dog, who is just... You hear see the tap, tap, tap. All of sorts of love. Nails on the floor. <laughs> so what are you guys up to these days? Well, I'm teaching more than anything. Um... I've been doing it for about 30 years, and I'm teaching at Circle in the Square, and I've got private classes, and I have a bunch of other colleges and high schools that I bop into, and I just love it. Awesome. How about you, Chris? Um, just the last, oh, I don't know, month or so, I've been, I went to West Virginia, where I was the MC of the Poetry Out Loud competition, the state competition. I'm going to Washington, D.C. in May to be a judge at the National Poetry Out Loud oh, competition. Awesome. Joanne and I were the judges for the yeah, Connecticut Shakespeare. Shakespeare recitation contest. Yeah, oh, this was amazing. It kids, was great. Kids had to do a sonnet and a monologue. Both. Oh, wow. Yeah, and, and it was fantastic. And two wonderful kids from New Haven right. um, were the two top finalists, and they were just arresting and yeah. just so vivid and wonderful. That's incredible. Yeah. How did you guys meet? We met, I mean, we had met years ago at a dinner party, but we met when Arthur Lawrence and Charles Strauss and Richard Maltby were putting together Nick and Nora, a musical based on the movies The Thin Man. And I was Nora, and Barry Bostwick was Nick. And Arthur Lawrence called me one day and said, I'm having dinner with Chris Sarandon. I want to persuade him to play Victor Moisa. Corrupt union boss. Uh, Corrupt union boss. Controller of the guy, the guy who controlled all the unions for the movies and whatever. In yeah, LA. and who falls in love with with uh, Nora. Nora. Yeah. So we met and we were both separated and we were both each each living alone and kind of not thinking about relationships or anything like that. And one day 
one day Louis Perez and Tina Paul, who are, Tina was choreographing the show, and she and her husband Louis said to us, would you come in the other room? We need to choreograph this tango, which happens at the top of Act Two when you go visit him in his house. We walk into this room and they play the sexiest music and I, we've oh. never found it. No. We, we tried to find it. Well, also the arrangement changed. The, the, the version that we rehearsed to was very sexy and right, wonderful. Right, right, But then when they orchestrated it, it, it was something else. It was just sort yeah. of something else. But anyway, they, they choreographed us to do this very slow kind of dance. And then they said, would you excuse us for a minute? And they left the room. I don't know what they thought was going to happen, but... Nothing, you know, happened in the room except that a little voice in my head said, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And a big voice in my head <laughs> said, wowie, zowie. And then we, we fell in love while this entire show was falling down around you know, our ears. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we knew that it wasn't going to um, make it. It had a lot of things wrong with it. But, um, but the good thing that came out of it 25 years ago was us. Showman's turn life right. life commitment. Right. And now you live on tiny farm. I live on tiny farm. What's that like? What does that tell everybody since they can't see it like I can? <laughs> uh, well, we have a few, very large backyard where we live and uh, raised beds that house during the summer months everything. vegetables that we cannot get rid of. Everything. So it's like a farmer's market of, yeah. of everything back there, you know, and... It's also a different way of life. We both lived in the city for many years, and we'd lived in California for many years together and individually, and there just came a moment in life. We have between us four kids, and and now they have kids, and somehow trying to bind this family, this family that loves to be together, into an apartment in New York just didn't seem like us. So we thought, you know, let's just... Let's just see if we can live better. So we bought this house that was kind of sad and yeah, it was really a mess when we bought it. Yeah, it hadn't been cared for in a long <clears> time, and slowly over ten years, we we fixed it up and here we are. Paradise, yeah, so, awesome. Yeah. I noticed because it was raining not too long ago, just how peaceful it is. You know, just listening to the rain and no peaceful. horns honking and no sheer relaxation. And it, and it's an hour and change mm -hmm. from New York, so it's not as if we're you know. Retired or anything, we don't. Chris did a play at Lincoln Center last year, up in their third space in the in the Claire Tau, and uh, I go in to teach all the time, and you know we go see shows, and and if the right things come along, we go into the city and work. That's so awesome. So you wouldn't necessarily go and live in the city again. No, no, this would be never. this is it. No, we've done it. We did. We've been there. Yeah. Now you guys have had a really extensive career in film and TV and uh, theater. What is is theater your favorite? Oh, absolutely. No I question think for both of us. I think you would get that answer from almost any theater actor or mm -hmm. somebody who started in theater or feels the most at home in theater because you don't make the connections. You're not in the trenches together, you know, day in and day out, eight shows a week, six days a week. Sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, we've done long runs. I've done, I've done 15 months and 14 months and, you know, you make that. That's where my friends have come from, the theater. And uh, the other is in and out. It's just so in and out, and you wait long hours to do one scene, and it's just not as soul satisfying. Yeah, and unless you're on a series, and that has its own downside as well. I mean, there are certainly upsides yeah. to doing television series, but yeah. the grind 
of doing a television series can be... It's different from the grind of yeah. doing live theater. Yes, because very Because we, we have an audience. And different every night. Yeah. Now, what advice can you give to our listeners that are just starting out in either film, TV, or theater? Well, it doesn't matter which one you're starting out in. If you're an actor, if you're an actor, or, and you can also sing and or dance or do all of those things, you can't look to your career to be your life. I mean, that just comes from the vantage point of two people who started young and worked nonstop. And then, I'll speak for myself, I looked around and said, but my life is missing. You know, I, my mate is missing. Mm-hmm. And, and not calling the time when you're not working downtime. That's a mistake. It's not downtime. It's your life. It's lifetime. Right? It's your yeah. lifetime. So... My feeling is that you need to find a reason to get up every day, and what you're in charge of really is preparation to work when it comes, and your willingness to to be part of other things. And also that you don't see celebrity and success, or sorry, that you don't equate success with celebrity, mm-hmm. that you equate it with being a working actor, somebody who works at a craft. And who, if you're lucky, can uh, continue to work in the theater and film and whatever medium uh, and to continue to progress and, and evolve. So good. What advice do you have for the educators out there that are getting our young people ready for the next level in college and even in high school, a lot of theater directors and teachers? Oh, teach them about life. Teach them to be observers and teach them to move as a pack you know, to, to champion each other. It's not a competition. You know, there's too many people for every job, and your chances of getting them are really only 50-50 because it's swamped. and Less than that. Well, yeah. you will or you won't. I mean, yeah. I just make oh, it I'm, pretty simple, you like, you know, yeah, you yeah. will or you won't. Right. But what I teach is that we, the arts are, yes, they are about personal expression and the painter and the composer they know that it's personal expression and the writer, the playwright, but it's a service organization. And I think we have this job to be part of something bigger than we are, to turn on the lights in the hearts and minds of the people watching or listening. Uh, and that's how we get people to empathize with each other and to learn about each other and learn more about themselves. So for me, it's always been a service organization and that I like to feel like I'm part of a, a tribe. Amen. <laughs> Aside from Couldn't your have kids, said it any better? That's so true. Aside from your kids, what are you most proud of? Us. Us. Yeah. <laughs> this relationship, yeah. which has evolved over twenty-five years, yeah. is something really quite extraordinary. I mean, we we laugh. We barely talk about the business at home. Barely. It's not interesting to us. <laughs> So we have other interests, and we love spending time together. And there's this farm, and there are the kids and the grandchildren and our friends. And we don't let things fester. You know, certainty that you have to be right is um, very dangerous. And and great doubt that somehow you're wrong or you don't trust is another heavy burden. So there's a way to... To remove both of those from the equation, 
you know, it's, I don't know, it's so stupid. It's like making a souffle where you whip the egg whites and he cooks out there. And the base is something, you know, heavier and dense and all this, but it isn't a souffle unless you take the egg whites and you whip them until they're frothy and you put fold the egg, them in. And, and you and, fold and them you in fold gently. Them gently. And then you've got the That's airiness right. of your hopes and dreams and your good, and you have the base of your, you know, cheese, <laughs> whatever you want. Chocolate. The reality of chocolate or cheese. And you put them together and you say, okay, now it's a souffle because it's got balance. Mm. You like to cook. I do. Do you? Yeah. What's your favorite thing to cook? What's my favorite thing to cook? I make entrees. I'm pretty good with the entrees, you know, bouillabaisse or cacovin or a veal osobuco or, or things like that. And um, Chris is the greatest soup maker and his chicken recipe is is internationally known now. Um, I, I, the only thing we don't really do is desserts. No, we don't make no, desserts. We're not, our kids I bake do. bread. Chris bakes bread. Like um, two of our kids are. One is an actual trained chef. The the two girls, Chris's two daughters, are um, as well as Nick. And now my son is in on it. Are, are really good cooks. They're bakers. They bake like crazy. Oh, wow. oh Thanksgiving here is. Mm. Oh, that must be fun. It's a food family. It is a food family. Yeah. You're both so skinny, so I don't know how you do it. Let me know. <laughs> how, um, let's talk about the Tonys for a second. What was that like for you, Joanna? Well, I, I did not think I was going to win. It was, a, it was a tough year. You know, it was a high-powered year. And um, I saw Joel Gray and Bernadette Peters come out to announce that category. And I thought, no, this can't be right. That's my, that's my Bernadette. <laughs> Joel Gray, my buddy. Well, this would just be too good if this were true. You know, and it turned out to be true. And there's a film, some video, of me winning, and my head snapped back in disbelief. And I, for the whole Good next week, I couldn't figure out, why can't I turn my head? I, I hurt myself. It was, it was thrilling. And, and who was waiting in the wings to come back? I was Angela Lansbury, oh, wow. a big hug, and there was Steve Sondheim, and I thought, oh, this is a moment. In the woods? Yeah, out of the woods. <laughs> so I have a couple of questions from um, a listener. First question is for Chris. I have to decipher all of this because it's a lot. Um, you did the first Friday night, or Fright Night film. Hmm. What was it like to do the first and the second? I didn't do the second. You didn't do the second? No, then I take all that back. You mean, that you mean showing up in the remake? I think that's what they mean. Uh, yes. That's quite possible, but there were two sequels. Oh, wow. After the original. Oh, okay, in but, the remake uh, uh, then. Along the, along the same time. Uh, the first one was great fun. In fact, almost everyone, everyone actually, who was in that movie, uh, I'm still friends with, I stay to, to a certain extent in touch with. In fact... Uh, William Ragsdale, uh, who played the boy in it, who's no longer a boy, uh, <laughs> just moved about five miles from here, from our house. Oh, wow. and we, we see him uh, fairly constantly. Um, and it was a, a really good experience because the cast was terrific. It was a wonderful script, and the director knew what the hell he was doing. And we rehearsed. We rehearsed it oh, wow. almost like a play. Uh, we didn't spend three weeks, but we spent a good four or five days doing character work, discussions, what have you, so that I think that work showed up on the screen. Um, it was a wonderfully constructed, I think, script, one of the best sort of just plotted 
things I think I've ever been in. And it was great fun to do this remake or reimagining or whatever you want to call it. Um, first of all, because everybody in the cast, particularly Colin Farrell, were huge fans of the original and were, um, were intent on making this at least the best movie they could make because they, they felt that it was something they had to live up to, the original. Um, and they couldn't have been nicer. I had a, a wonderful time on the two days that I was on the set. Awesome. But it was, a gra- it was great fun. Good. And did you get to do work with Dave Franco? No. No? Dave Franco. Dave Franco. That was what my listener asked. God. I have no idea. No. <laughs> no, I'm trying to think of who that would be. What well, wasn't James Franco? Did they mean James Franco? No. Well, even if it was James Franco, he wasn't, he wasn't involved. <laughs> did they mean Dave Letterman? No. David, Do they mean David Tennant. Francisco Franco? David Tennant was in the movie. David Tennant. Oh, I love him. Doctor Who. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Was really? I didn't know. Yeah. That. That's yeah. so cool. He played oh. the Ronnie McDowell role in the Yes, Got you. Okay. Yeah. Oh, right, right. Joanna, you were in two Sorkin TV shows. Yes. Now, was that a coincidence or no, after I, the first one? After the after West Wing. I did I think I did four or five West Wings. And God, I got to do most of my scenes with John Spencer, and that was the mm. best. The best ever. And brilliant directors, and of course, fantastic writing. Aaron is—I find Aaron to be. Uh, there are not enough superlatives for just how smart you get to be because of how smart he is. <laughs> and then they called and asked if I would like to play this role on the last show of the last season of the newsroom. And it turns out I was going to be in L.A. And they said, "Well, come on, just let's see if will she do it." And I said yes. And that was beautiful. And, and Tom Sadowski and I this wonderful scene and uh, and, I, and because they knew me because Aaron knew me and you know that's how these things happen and you want to work with the people that you know what was the most exciting project you both have worked on in either TV film or theater well exciting all right well, exciting, so, yeah, what the, well Into the Woods obviously exciting because we knew what we had here um but Boogie Nights was uh, a, one of the earlier films of a young 26-year-old Paul Thomas Anderson. Mm-hmm. And when I read that script, I thought, I'll never get cast because it's not the kind of part I... I don't even know why they're seeing me, frankly. But the audition was uh, kind of amazing. And he was amazing. And I thought, I'm, I'm, I'm part of something that I never would have been a part of. You know, for me, it was such a departure. So that, to me, was exciting. I would say probably either Dog Day Afternoon, which was for 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 the reason I think is because it was my first movie, mm-hmm. period, and it was with Sidney Lumet and Al Pacino and John Cazale and you know this great group of people that Sidney Lumet always had working with him, um, and also because it was while the script was really another great script, Frank Pearson who won an Academy Award for the script. Um, but that it was very collaborative because when we rehearsed, and again, Sidney Lumet liked to rehearse like a play, mm-hmm. so that when you walked into the first day of rehearsal, the set was taped out on the floor, you worked on it all the way through like it was a, 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 a full-length play. Uh, and it, in a way, it made me think, oh, gee, this is what the movies are like. Well, they're never like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, movies are never except for Fright Night, which was a rehearsal period. So that was very exciting because it was my first um, and the audition process was great fun, and Sydney was wonderful. And then maybe uh, Princess Bride, um, because the audition was great fun. 
and the shooting was just a guess. We had such a wonderful time and the location was a dream and the cast was wonderful and we had a great time all the way through the shoot. So, That's amazing. Yeah. Now, before we end, I have a couple things I want to ask. Number one, what, do you, what is your advice to the divas out there, quote-unquote? And not necessarily the good divas out there. You mean the aspiring there. divas? Yes. You mean the kids in high school and college who, who, who start to act up and yes. behave badly? Get over yourself, is all I can tell you. Nobody really wants to work with that drama, and all it really says to me is you don't know how to ask the right questions to get the answers you want. You don't know how to be part of something bigger than yourself. And you're looking for drama if you don't have enough on stage to do. You're looking for drama in your life so you can be the star of something. And this self-distraction that goes on with these last generations is um, it's, it's ruining communication. And it's also ruining uh, young actors because they're not thinking about the bigger picture. And, and, and literally, it's this preoccupation with self is um, is starting to erode, you know, great theater troops will not come out of this kind of people. You won't mm. be part of great rep companies. You you'll won't be, be part, part of reality television. Yeah, you'll be part of reality TV, and that's where you will live and perish. And, mm. that, and that is not <laughs> and a if life. You, and if that's the career you want, then, then you'll have it, and you'll have maybe a year or two or three, but you won't have a career. You know, attitude is not talent. No. Attitude is not a substitute for for real talent. And storytelling. Attitude just means you want to tell your story and you don't care who is in the way or you put your agenda on a piece of work that you're doing instead of doing what, you know, being in service to the writer and the director and everything else. So frankly, if I can, if I spot a diva or if I hear that this kid is a diva or not, I'm not going to cast them until they get over themselves and grow up and then show me what they really got. And I think you'll find that to be the case out there in the theater world and in the film world. You know, people don't want to work with people who are um, just about themselves. Uh, now, that, that's a, not to say that there media. are not really, you know, highly successful, some brilliant, very famous people who have famous for... But I well, think that... Narcissist. I think that, that, that comes also from a, a, a deep insecurity and, and, and personal issues that they then manifest as, as a thing that everybody has to deal with. When, honestly... I just, uh, this is a volunteer army, guys. We are not Con Edison guys out at two in the morning in the rain repairing, you know, <laughs> phone lines and, and electrical lines, and we're not fixing the roads in the dead of winter or the dead of summer. Well, we're not, we're not in a platoon walking around in Afghanistan. Exactly. We're, you know. we're in the arts, for crying out loud. So be part of something that helps other people, serves humanity, and, uh, and you'll have a better life. So there. So there. And that's mic drop worthy. All right, last thing. I understand that somebody in this room is very good at game shows. And so I want to play a really quick rapid fire game with the both of you to learn a little bit about you guys as people instead of industry people. You ready? What are we supposed to just... uh... Just whatever comes to your mind. All right. All right, here we go. Favorite color? Blue. Gray. Favorite food? East Coast or West Coast? East East. Coast. Favorite current running Broadway show? Well, come on. Hamilton. And the humans. And the humans. (laughs) Right. Hamilton and the humans. The two H's. Yeah. Favorite role you've played? Film or... Film, TV, or theater, actually. Well, I I I love me some Baker's Wife. You know know that I do. 
think that also by Stephen Karam in Sons of the Prophet, Gloria, great role, great role, mm. great role. I played a wonderful part on Stark Raving Mad you did. that nobody ever saw. I know, you were brilliant. <laughs> that was screamingly funny. Oh gosh, uh, favorite color, favorite, oh dear, favorite genre of music? Well, I don't care what genre it is, mm. but, the, my, the, but if, the, if the time signature is, is uh, waltz time, that's for me. Mm. I'm across the spectrum. I love classical music, I love blues, I love uh, rock and roll, I love R&B a lot. I love tango. <clears throat> tango, Joanna. Um, classical music, I'm crazy for, so... Do you have a song between the two of you? We have a few. Yeah. My yeah. romance used to be. My romance, person. when I fall in love. Yeah. Yeah. Some great old standards. Yeah. Your musical influence from the 1950s. Oh, the Everly Brothers. Oh my God, the 50s. Because that's I was in a band in high school and we sang a lot of Everly Brothers songs. Mm. Yeah, you just have to back up a little and give me Ella Fitzgerald, you know. I can do that. Yeah. Awesome. Well, guys, thank you. Thank it's been you. fun. I'm so excited. Do you have any advice in closing to anybody listening? Be good to each other. Be kind. And don't... Don't pollute the planet. <laughs> give, it, give it a break, well, for is, God's sake. So true. It's so true. And in this political climate, that could not be more right on. So mm. thank you, guys. Thank, thank you. you. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. We'll talk soon. Okay. Bye. My thanks to Chris and Joanna for being with us. It was a pleasure to interview them at their home and to have a little love from their dog, Lucy. Until we speak next time, take care of each other. Take care of yourselves. Bye, guys.